Gold Podcast. I'm Danny. This is Ash. Hello. And we're going to just talk about all things touring, all things music, and all things Ash. So how are you, Ash? Um, not too bad. Not too bad. We're here in um, sunny London. In sunny London. Sunny London town. In the middle of summer. Um, I had a good gig last night, actually. I played at this place called Charlotte Street Blues, which was really cool, actually. It um, It was a blues club. And uh, it's just started up, but um, not to put any, uh, I don't know, any uh, expectations on what to expect from blues or whatever, but I was surprised that it was all, like, lots of young people are really into it, and um, it was really good, and uh, Fingers came down. Fingers Malone, who's now living in London. Who's now living in London, who was, um, who toured with us um, across... Australia, we drove across the uh, Nullarbor, sorry I'm just um, eating a vitamin C at the moment, drove across the Nullarbor and um, all up around WA and stuff and he also played at the Falls and as a, as a drummer and at Byron Bay, the East Coast Blues and Roots this year and stuff, so it was really good to jam with him again and he was playing MPC. Mm. Um, which is? Which is like... Um, Sort of, it's like um, electronic trigger pads, which is what they use a lot for, um, especially back in the day for all of the great hip-hop and stuff. So for a, a person who doesn't understand any kind of technical jargon, what does that mean? Basically, um, it's perfect for him calling himself Fingers Malone as well, because it was funny last night when I was, you know, um, going, take it away, Fingers, and you play it with your fingers. Just pointing your fingers going. So what does it mean? Is it beats or is it yeah, so drum sounds? Or? So it's all different drum sounds, but, you know, it obviously sounds more beatsy, more electronic kind of sounds. Cool. Well, I imagine you get some pretty, with the grooves that you already play, and that you'd be getting some pretty cool dance sounds. And It was really dancey. It was really dancey uh, last night. And... Um, which at first, when I walked into the blues club, I thought, ooh, this isn't going to go down too well. Um, but it was really fun. And um, Fingers was playing drums um, in Australia with me, um, and he just finished off uh, his last gig in Australia. He played a little bit of MPC, but over here, all he's got is his MPC. Um, and it was good. He was a master. So I want to I want to see if I can get him to come down to the board masters down at Newquay. And Newquay is south of London, which is the surf area of England, which yeah. is quite fitting for you. Yeah. yeah. And you must be missing surfing. Heaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it is cool to be uh, playing in England, but uh, long stint. The gigs have to be going absolutely amazing night in, night out before you start thinking, oh, wish I was back at home. Yeah, I mean, in terms of um, coming over and, and playing music and living that dream, but you could also, being in a different country where it's completely different, you lose a whole lot of the lifestyle aspect that you used to. 
Yeah. And how does that affect you mentally? Well, it makes me put a whole lot more, probably pressure on the gig because normally, say if we're travelling around and there's, there's surf and there's good times and catching up with people, you're not only thinking about the gig and I think that's quite positive for a musician mm. to have other reasons to be there. And, I mean, we have seen a lot of good things here in um, England and I'm not really so much, you know, going to Bath like the other day and seeing, um, you know, the Roman baths and stuff. I, li- I like a bit of history, but it doesn't sustain me, obviously, like getting waves and just living my absolute dream. So, so how do you keep yourself mentally in check, I guess, um, not having that outlet that you're used to? Um... I don't know, really. Uh, I do think a lot more about recording, actually. Mm. And I'm thinking about recording the next album, so that occupies a lot of my time. And also, travelling with a baby mm-hmm. makes it um, <laughs> that you're a little bit more occupied. <laughs> Keeps you grounded. Um, so I guess, in some ways, travelling Australia could be could dissuade you from doing what you need to do as in recording or writing yeah. music. So possibly touring internationally where you don't have the distractions of surf and good times. <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as many good times. Yeah. yeah um, could work in your favour. Well, it does. I mean, like, for um, the album Give Signs, I remember when I was over in um, Spain and I was sick as a dog and I was over there for a week Um, before I think I played my first gig, just sick in this hotel room and not speaking any Spanish really and having no one who spoke any English around me. I was very isolated. Mm. And, um, yeah, I wrote a lot of the songs for Give Signs in that week. Wow. So isolation's really important and um, I've got to try and figure out a different way to have it now because I have a lot more company on the road travelling with the family overseas and then often... When I'm not with a family, I've got a band in um, in Oz, and it's a bit more like um, all buddies on the road and talking and everything. But actually, for songwriting, you know, as you know, I think you need isolation. Mm-hmm. So that's one I've got to figure out. Maybe go to a log cabin. Yeah, <laughs> leave the family down the road. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <clears throat> coming overseas. Obviously, there is a degree of starting out again because you don't have that um, the fan base that you would have at home in Australia. Is it starting out again or being a, a successful musician in your own country, does that mean that you come in on a certain level? Or, you know, already is it already made sort of for you or, or are you starting out again? It depends where it is and who books it. Like, um, sometimes you'll, you'll jump straight onto... <coughs> sorry... Because of what you've achieved at home, you'll you'll jump straight onto a festival that's quite a big one. You get quite good billing, and um, it's it's all good, and you have a great time. Um, other times, you could be the complete opposite. Go to a tiny festival, and you're the smallest guy playing in the chai tent, you know, mm, mm. and no one there has ever heard of you. And it's that's a tough one sometimes. Um, if you're on a really tiny stage. You think, oh, well, I'll just use my musicianship and just 
smash it, but you know, you're on this tiny PA and the stomp sounds like dick, dick, dick. Mm. That can be a little bit difficult. Mm. Um, so, but it's very variable because then one person will come and say, say, oh, you know, I saw you at the falls, you know. Mm. So the last time they saw you. You were playing for thousands of people. Yeah. And then this time you're in a cafe. Okay. So is it more rewarding in some ways because you're having to win over an audience or is it just exhausting? (laughs) It's just variable. Um, But it is good to always be, you know, you should be able to cut it and you should be able to, wherever you go, um, go to a room of strangers and still be able to win them over. And I think, yeah, it is very positive to um, have to go back to that Mm. sometimes. Mm, definitely. So, I mean, next week you're off to Belgium where you've played, you know, numerous times. So you'd be looking forward yeah. to that. Yep. And that's, you know, obviously you play some great festivals over there and drink some great beer and <laughs> yeah. eat some chocolate. Yep. Yep. Looking forward to that. That'll be really good. That Dranator, I think it's a Dranator folk festival, but it seems like it's going to be a pretty big one, so that should be good. And I'm looking forward to the Boardmasters. I mean... I think, don't quote me, but I think they have like shitloads of people, like 10,000 people or something down there for that. Right, right. Um, so, and my, um, on the day that I'm playing, the streets are headlining and I'm a really big fan of the streets. Nice. For really good, good pommy storytelling, you know, mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So I'm looking, really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And, and then so basically after this UK trip, it's straight to Canada? Yep, off to Canada, and there's a good um, uh, festival there in Whistler. I've uh, been to Whistler a few times, and that's always fun. Which uh, Xavier Ruddy's playing yep. in too, I think. Yeah, so be good to see him. Yeah. And um, is there any other Aussies there? Don't know, but it'll be good. It'll be really good to get back to Canada. Pretty much uh, I want to keep going to Canada and England and building them up in Europe for the next couple of years. Yeah. So that's the plan? Yeah. The plan by Ash Greenwald. (laughs) (laughs) The plan of global domination. So when we get back to Australia, you'll be touring yet again um, over to Western Australia and New South Wales? September is um, East Coast. Yeah. Again, Um, yeah. Should be great. Yeah. Very much looking (laughs) forward to that and getting back in the van. And getting fit again. <laughs> um, and September, and then October is WA. Um, and which you'll be playing with the band, is that right? Yep. Oh, Benny and Kanchana. So that should be good. Because we were getting pretty, um, I think we were getting pretty tight by the end because we'd never actually really, I've never really toured very much in a band kind of format. I just basically did those festivals. And we always said if we actually went out and did some tours like a band normally does, it would end up quite tight. So it's kind of very cool to have done that now. Yeah, which it has. I mean, I remember at Byron Bay Blues Festival just gone, and there must have been at least, you know, 8,000 people there in that tent. And um, you playing with the boys, and just the energy was just incredible. It was... um, it was amazing, really. So that was quite a few months ago, so I imagine it would have been a lot tighter since then, and the crowd loved it. So it really creates a party atmosphere. Yeah. Are you missing fun. playing with the boys over here, going back to being solo? 
Um, yeah, there's certain certainly different bits that you think, oh, you know, you, you start you get used to hearing certain things yeah. that aren't there now. But um, it's good to mix it up too because it's good for your own playing to go back to solo and I don't know and try and fit uh, different things in and whatnot. Do you get lazy in a sense playing with the other musicians? Um, musically lazy. Uh, you can rest on them a little bit musically. Mm. But um, I think it's good, though, because um, we're playing with percussionists and stuff, and so much of what I do is about percussion, mm. and especially with my feet and stuff, and always hearing them every night and jamming with them, it makes me hear different things that you can do, mm. and it makes me want to do more complicated things with my feet than I'm capable of doing. But, um, you know, mm. yeah. So, I, no, I think it's helpful. Well, and so Fish Out of Water has been really successful. Yeah. So far. Uh, yeah. It's um, the best of the album. Yeah, so are you starting writing for for the new album or are you still kind of in Fish Out of Water mode? Coma? <laughs> um, well, I was in that mode for a long time because um, uh, I uh, really was happy with fish out of water and you know and um gave a lot of energy to it and uh, but after an album do you get like a post-coital almost <laughs> <laughs> the little death yeah or is it just straight back into writing new stuff well just when i finished fish out of water like way before it was released when i just finished i felt like i could go in and do another album straight away i felt like uh, my studio fitness was up because you know it's very draining the long hours and stuff in a studio but you get used to it after a while and it was so fun um, but then you know that was almost 18 months ago I think so now I'm very much in that gig mode so I've got to get my head back into the recording space but I've been mucking around I've been producing a few of my own beats and stuff just learning the ropes and I'm toying with the idea of producing a couple of my own tracks because I'm really getting into beats heaps and just really enjoying mucking around with that recording side of it. And um, I've been listening to a lot of music, like, say, Fat Freddy's Drops' new album, where it's nothing like my music at all, but um, I get a bit of inspiration from just the way the beats work and stuff, and I'd, I'd like to have a muck around with that kind of thing myself. Will we get to preview on this podcast any of your new beats that you've written, maybe? Give us a five-second grab. I think that would be a good grade. idea. Um, well, you have had a preview in that intro of something that I did just mucking around um, when I was in the back of the van and the boys were driving. I just did a muck around. I grabbed um, Charlie Patton, who was the first ever recorded blues guy, and chucked that together with um, a few of my own beats and a bit of Biggie Smalls beats and a bit of a Howl and Wolf sample. All right, so that was the intro. Maybe we'll um, pop a bit of that here. here For a now. bit of an, yeah, maybe <laughs> a bit of an outro, I don't know. Or for maybe an interview. So in your previous life, many people don't know that before you were a musician, you were an English media teacher. So I don't know if that makes you really smart <laughs> or really intelligent or um, a good wordsmith. <laughs> no, I don't know either. <laughs> and good with the media. Um mm. You know, you've lived that one extreme of teaching your day job. And you, did you do that full time? 
I did for a brief time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so full-on as a normal high school. Well, it was full-on in a different way. It was teaching um, kids with... That it wasn't working out for a normal... Um, with social school. problems or... Often. Yeah. But not exclusively. Wow, that would have been challenging. They must have yeah. thought you were really cool. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I don't know. They used to abuse me a fair bit. Oh, really? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, I guess, with working at Triple J, even to some extent, which was, like, the best job ever to and the biggest honour to get um, offered to do Roots and All, which I loved. Mm. And, was, uh, as I said, I was very honoured. I couldn't say no to the job, but I have a definite um, fear and loathing <laughs> Of day jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, who wouldn't after living the lifestyle that you live? I mean, you are living the dream and you're the envy of probably most people that the fact that you get to travel around and you have your family with you and, you know, you, you're surfing, you're playing music and most people can only dream of doing that. Um, you know, do you see yourself then as an inspiration for people that are stuck in the mundane kind of world or have people said to you that you're an inspiration to them have you inspired people to <laughs> grow dreadlocks am, am i an inspiration <laughs> i'll let you be uh, uh i i don't know is I that mean, is that what you want to do do you want to inspire people to just have fun or i know a lot of your songs you talk about that um i think i um my songwriting it's it's hilarious when you think about it because I've done like four albums um, with a lot of original songs and every album's always about the same thing. <laughs> oh, oh, most of the songs always end up in the same kind of thing of like, fuck your day job, <laughs> who cares about the money, go for the lifestyle, you know. I mean, I've always, I've always believed that, um, you know, the point of life is to be happy and if you're not happy... Um, Forget it. Forget it or just... Change you know, it. Change it, yeah, if you can. Um, I don't know if I'm an inspiration to people on that or not. I don't... I don't... Not seeking to be an inspiration. The reason I write those songs is because it's how I feel. I wonder, you know, when people come to see a live gig then or they come to see a travelling music, musician such as yourself, in some way I guess that's them living a part of that dream because they're there with you for that moment, mm. you know, of that night, that few hours that they're there. They are part of that and they forget that, you know... <laughs> well, that's really interesting. Um, I've never really thought of that that way. Um, I don't know. I think that's a a, a good thing. If um, I don't know if people get inspiration from the idea of you know the priority being living, not and earning fun. a living, you know, and having fun. You do have to earn a living, though. So, so the only thing I could I say one more thing about that? that uh, I... Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know I have been talking a lot. Uh... <laughs> no, we're not here to hear me talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, I just uh, The only thing that makes me a bit self-conscious is, like, I wanted to go out and do that, and I feel really lucky. Like, if you listen to my first album, it's all about that. Fuck the day job, I'm going to go out and do my gigs and whatever. And it did work out for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel so lucky that that's the way it worked. Mm-hmm. I'd hate to be like 
like say somebody was in the same situation or they they're a musician. Um, and they've said Ash Greenwald told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they or somebody feels like then my wife left me and my kids are starving. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like if some or say somebody's working a day job, the reality is a lot of people do have to work day jobs, mm. and they're always like, I just feel that I owe it to myself to become a famous lawn bowl specialist or a famous you know this or that. Or, I don't know. I just feel like. Um, sometimes there is nothing wrong with just, um, being happy with your life as it is too. Uh, so there's that mixture. I don't want to, I don't know. I feel like a bit of a, it's easy for me to say because I'm out there having fun. Come on, Ash. (laughs) Take the drop. Either you've got to go one way or the other. Yeah. You can't sit middle of the fence on this one. I just don't want to, I want people to have fun. But you don't have to. I don't want people to be thinking that, ah, if I work a day job, my life's shit. So basically, you've got these songs where (laughs) go out and have fun, live your life, but just read the small print. (laughs) (laughs) Ash Ash holds no responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just saying, I don't want people to feel bad if the reality is they do have to. work that day job, feed their family. Okay, so... Sit around and go, oh, fuck, you know, Grunewald's out there on the road. Why can't I be living... <laughs> you know, I just think, yeah, you just got to enjoy life. <laughs> so, you know, that's your thing, you know, um, making a living, having fun. What if you did get that big offer one day, you know, to make a million dollars from a song, but you had to wear pink hot pants? <laughs> Well, really and depends. dance around. I know you don't like to dance. Um, yeah. You know, shave your dreadlocks off. Yeah. And basically, if you had to sell yourself out to make that few million dollars, um, do you do it? Do you do it? It's a really interesting question. Um, great question, actually. Thank you. Um, there's certain levels of... I don't know. Like, it depends what it is. It depends. Like, I would never take... For something really immoral and just fucked up, like, you know, join the SEAL Club as anonymous and you can get a couple of million bucks. Well, it's just not worth it, you know. Or start making music that completely lacks um, credibility, you know, just not worth it. But, you know, if there, I don't know, there'd be certain levels of something. Like if a big ad came along and they said, you know, put Skyrider on this um, Qantas ad. Yeah, no worries. Load me up. Just put that money. Here's my account details. <laughs> <laughs> but if a producer came to you and said, look, like literally, you have to wear pink hot pants and dance around and, you know, do something musically which is completely different to what you do, but there's a big check waiting for you at the end of it. I don't know. It really depends. Like, if somebody said, right, you dance in the pink hot, hot pants and... You're going to make an asshole of you. You are going to look <laughs> like a dick. <laughs> but here's a check for, say, I don't know, three mil? Yeah. I think, oh, well, I could just settle down and da 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 And you could spend 500000 of that. Trying to repair your career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who cares? I'd, I'd certainly take a look at it. If there's anybody listening to this podcast want to pay me three mil to wear... I'm sure hot, there'll be some pink takers. Hot pants. I know some of I'll my friends it. who live on commercial road that would love to take you up on that. They may not have the money. <laughs> okay, Ash. Well, 
I think so far, this has been a pretty good first podcast. Fantastic. Thanks a lot for that, Jenny. I really, really loved it. Here's one of Ash's <laughs> new tracks that he's been working on in the back of his camper van.